Hey, did you hear about uh, those two guys? They got that podcast, uh, Juice Sample and Clever Wes. Yeah, them, them fat fucks from Ohio. Yeah, they're they're pretty fat. Uh, What's the name of their podcast again? I think it's like the mo- 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 motherfucking Sample Hour. Welcome to the Sample Hour Podcast Network. Today we have a special joint collaboration between the Sample Hour and the Sacred Plant Show. I'm Jason at No Susquehanna, and I'm here today with Sample Hour host <laughs> at Drew Sample. And we have a special guest today with us today, Mr. Mick Mann from Opus Farms. You can follow him at Opus420 on Twitter. And you've just recently seen him on the Vice documentary, Canada's War on Weed. And we have him here today to hopefully shed some light on legalization issues, things related to growing, all kinds of cannabis-related topics. So thank you for joining us today. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Um, So, yeah, so we were just hoping you could shed some – just – just for like listeners who might not have seen that documentary on YouTube yet, um, yeah, just shed some light about what's going on in Canada and what and some things that you're trying to get accomplished. Well, you know, here in Canada, we have um, the Harper government, the Conservative government, um, which to really uh, sum him up the best is uh, comparing him to George Bush's the second, the young one, is the kids' government, very anti-cannabis. Uh, so it's difficult with that. But here in British Columbia, what we're doing is we uh, have a referendum system in our province. And right now we're campaigning to bring in what a friend of mine, Dana Larson, has uh, put together is the Sensible Policing Act. And it's going under the banner Sensible BC. And, you know, quite often here in Canada, we talk to our provincial uh, governments much like a state government. And they always, when you mention marijuana, they always say, oh, that's a federal matter. You know, we can't do anything about that. But in fact, that's wrong. And in each province, the attorney general, who's like the number one cop who sets the standard for what all of the other cops are going to do, if he chooses, he could make uh, cannabis the lowest police priority. In other words, he could say to all the cops in this province that you're not going to waste any time or resources or any money 
bothering adults for simple possession of cannabis. So that's the initiative we're trying to uh, undertake here now, which sort of de facto decriminalizes uh, marijuana for adults. And that's just one step that we got to take towards legalization for you know, responsible adults to just use responsibly, like uh, out responsible alcohol use or anything else. So that's a really uh, big step that we're uh, trying to undertake. It's very difficult uh, to collect enough signatures to push that through. So we're working on that uh, because that'll come up next year. And in fact, we're actually in the middle of a provincial election right now. We'll be going to the polls on May 14th. So I hope that any people from BC are uh, bringing that the sensible BC issue to, to their uh you know, hope people that are running in their ridings and uh, presenting them how they stand on that, if they're aware and if not educating them, this is a good time to get that message out. Um, like I said, again, it's unfortunate we have Stephen Harper and his ideological conservative government right now, and they just won't even address, they won't even have a sensible discussion. You notice that? Like people yeah. who are against pot, they never even want to talk about it. Yeah, that that's what was pretty cool about the documentary. Uh, the the guy who uh, interviewed all you guys, he was sitting down with one of the Mounties, and the Mountie was saying, "Oh well, it's I, f I forget what he said. Like they they shouldn't be a business to be able to grow marijuana." He's like, "Yeah, but the pharmacies are a business," and yeah. the guy had like nothing to say to that. He just had this like 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 this dumb look yeah. on his face. Well, and again, it shouldn't be a business unless it's one of my friends. So now it's not a matter of what's right or wrong. It's a matter of money, you know, like any other business, like the tobacco business and the alcohol business. And these are all industries. You know, you don't see uh, thousands of distilleries out there. You know, there's a couple and there's only always been just a couple growing up, you know, unless you want to get into some imported stuff. But it's a very restricted uh, industry. Uh, you know, we can make beer and wine at home and they have microbreweries, but... You know, I mean, we do have uh, farmers markets. We have organic vegetables. People can bring things to a, a usually in a community and sell what they have and trade. And I, I don't see why marijuana should be any different. It's just a plant. I, I, the difference is that now even the prohibitionist side recognizes that there's big money involved. Uh, but, you know, you make so anybody who wants to grow a plant can, as it should be, all that big money goes away. And they don't want to see that, you know. I mean, you, could you imagine paying $120 a pound for tomatoes? That'd be insane. Yeah. But I mean, when you compare it to what marijuana goes for, you know, a couple hundred, two, $300 an ounce, depends where you are. Yeah. Why should it be that way? I mean, you know, more like 25 bucks an ounce, which yeah. is what it was, you know, when I was a teenager. <laughs> That's that's a good point. I mean, it's 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 just a plant. It's hard to uh, it's it's just like it's it's been so demonized that people don't even like they still call it drugs. It's like, no, they're plants. They're not drugs. It's it's a silly thing to say. Well, and another issue is like I have a YouTube video up on my or on the pot TV channel of me driving in my truck smoking pot that I put up the other day. And boy, did I ever let the cat out of the bag. Now there's a big controversy. And, but you know, everybody keeps talking about impaired, impaired, impaired. Where did this impairment uh, 
issue come up from this is all just uh again people trying to play nice and image and things like that you know i mean people have been driving and smoking pot for decades and it's never even been discussed before the last few years all of a sudden it's an issue and it's they, they keep trying to compare it to alcohol use which is it doesn't work that way especially when they allow so you can't sleep. look at it as impairing the good point and that's the other side of that is when you've got like all those pharmaceutical drugs what does it say on the side of the prescription mall there's usually a little well up in canada there's a little red sticker and it says use care and caution when operating heavy machinery or driving a car until you know how this medication affects you well if you've been getting up for the last 15 years and have an awaken make every day i think you know how pot affects you and you've probably woken up smoked pot and gone driven and done that every day for god knows how many years and it's never been a problem before yeah just don't mix alcohol or other drugs or weed right you'll be cool <laughs> and you know if you're so baked that you can't drive you're not going to be getting off the couch you'll be like no not right now man it'll <laughs> <laughs> be a buzzkill i'm not driving motherfucker i'm gonna just sit here yeah <laughs> you know that's the way pot is yeah that's that's such a good point and and I think uh, I don't even think they've even done any studies that show that there there is any impairment with pot. I mean, and I think uh, I think Colorado, like the anti-legalization before they right before they passed that bill, they're trying to do these negative stories about it. I saw I found this YouTube video and the guy recorded himself going in and doing the uh, like doing the test. And he was just like recording his view so he showed the story and then he then he like shows what really happened and he was just like, you know, they they totally added stuff in that didn't even make sense or that didn't happen. It's it's all propaganda. I mean, in, in the US, they just actually made it legal for them to run bogus stories and to run propaganda. So it's uh it's, it's just terrible. Yeah, it's super That's terrible. terrible. Absolutely. It, you know, ask yourself this how many people do you know that have to say, you know, I'm going to do my driver's test. I better not smoke pot for a couple of weeks and so, and straighten out because I want to make sure I pass. Yeah. Not many. They just, maybe they don't smoke pot the day they're going down there, but yeah. guaranteed when we know that marijuana, you can test positive for it's in your system up to 30 days after using it. Yeah. So where's the impairment? Again, I have to ask, like, how do you test for impairment? It's, you know, unfortunately we've been legislated for everything and people don't take responsibility for themselves you know if you're smoking yeah. weed and you have a big accident well you might as well step up and say hey maybe i that was my fault yeah you know? absolutely i mean i passed my driver's test my professional driver's license i never stopped smoking marijuana <laughs> you know i have a valid motorcycle license i own a car a truck and a bike i use them both every day and you know no, I never had a problem. I got no tickets. I got a clean driver's abstract. So there'll be there'll be more uh, toking and driving videos. I'll be addressing this uh, on my YouTube channel. It's uh, Opus Four Twenty. Awesome, awesome. Now I was oh, oh, real quick. You had mentioned uh, Pot TV. Could you tell people about sure. that in case they've never been ex don't know what that is? Well, Pot. TV 
V is uh, started by Mark Emery uh, in his basement in his house way back when he lived on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to get the year wrong probably. Oh, looks like we uh, got something wrong with the video, but okay. Okay. We uh, So Pod TV, it's the longest running marijuana uh, broadcasting internet TV station on the internet, I guess. Yeah. So longest existing. It's www.pot.tv, and uh, there's lots of shows on there. They, Jeremiah Vandermeer, the editor of Cannabis Culture, does a show this time. Um, Marijuana Man, Greg Williams, who was uh, arrested with Mark Emery and Michelle, the late Michelle Rainey, uh, for the seed conspiracy business that Mark's doing time now in uh, jail down in Yazoo, Mississippi, for he does a show on Wednesdays for called uh, from under the influence, lots of good, informative, fun stuff. And, uh, we smoke a ton of weed. Uh, I was doing a show on Mondays, Opus live, but that's on kind of hiatus right now. I've had to, uh, I'm taking a step back this year to look after some more personal stuff and kind of my own business for a while. I've been, uh, stretching it pretty thin with the activism. Gotcha. Uh, Are there uh, old episodes up of your oh, show? Yeah, absolutely. You can go back and, and search uh, through older shows. Like once you get on the things, you can. Yeah, there's all they're all on there. You can go back. There's lots to watch on Pot TV. Some of the, it's interesting to watch some of the really old shows. <laughs> you kind of see how you guys like, evolved. Yeah. Well, the Internet evolved, right? You know, live stream is out there now. And, you know, with it's so much easier to do things like what you're doing, podcasts and you know, and with Twitter and social media, like we're, I think it's really been a, a benefit to the uh, the pot movement in general. Yeah. Like if, it if it wasn't for activism, I wouldn't be on Facebook. Yeah. No, like I, uh, I think it's it's a great tool, and I, and I, I forget who was saying it. I think my one buddy was, but for us to really make changes, like we need something like a social network to unify, to get to to get information quickly to to one another. And I think like that's the really great thing about Facebook and Twitter. Absolutely, and the, the perfect example is the uh, the Arab Spring, yeah, and how yeah. much of social media is a, is contributed is attributed to the, how successful that that was. That the people were, you know, so quick to mobilize and, and just be out there in spite of you know random sort of roving blackouts. Because as we know, the government is never going to just black out the entire net. Because it shuts down commerce and it costs way too much money. You follow? It's like yeah. when the power go, it's like when the power goes off. You know how much money that costs per second? Millions of dollars is yeah. lost because people can't run their computers and make business. And so the government can't afford to just shut everybody down. So they might shut this little area down or that area, but people are still finding, you know live spots where they can get those tweets out and those, you know, Facebook posts and things like that and other forms of social media. So, and we saw much of that as well during the, uh, the Occupy uh, Wall Street. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, somebody said to me when, uh, I think, was it Obama? It was taking questions on the internet. He said you could go to a website and send all your questions in and they were going to address them in a public, in an on TV interview. 
What a joke and, that turned out to be. Well, people, people wanted, we, why isn't weed legal was one of the first questions, and first, it was outright ignored. And, and he, he said, he, yeah, he shrugged it off and said, we're not going to talk about that. No, no, no. They shuffled that way down. And the same thing happened here with our prime minister. And it's like, Jeremiah, my friend, said to me, we own the Internet. People who smoke pot. You know, they feel we're anonymous and we are out there. We're sitting online. And uh, it's funny to see. <laughs> Even if you don't smoke pot, you tend to be, you know, you think the war on pot is stupid. If you're, yeah. you know, most people who are on the internet read stuff and realize this is retarded what's going on. What a waste of money. Yeah, it's it's a huge waste of money. And, and just like you said, it's, it's fucking stupid. I mean, especially for... I think especially just economic reasons in the U.S., like we have the best, some of the best soil in like where we are at and in, in, in the Midwest. And I mean, there's I mean, just just I mean, even for economic reasons, but the, it, it's a fucking plant. It's just so stupid. Like, why? Why is a plant illegal? And it, well, you know, part of it is, you know, they, it seems to me in a lot of I watch a lot of documentaries like uh I just watched one about you know oil fracking, the fracking business for natural gas and uh, things. And, and, you know, you have to look at it from my perspective here in Canada, looking around and going, gee, all the main employers, it seems, especially through a large part of the United States, is either the military, the oil and gas industry or Walmart, and, uh, you know, or the prison industry. Yeah. You know, the police and prison and law enforcement. Those seem to be the three biggest employers in the United States when you look at it from our point of view. You know, there's like not a lot of manufacturing jobs. You know, plants are closing. Or this been, but this isn't just happening now. This has been going on for 25 years. Yeah, just progressively, yeah. it just gets progressively worse. And, you know, I mean, how far does it go before people turn around and say, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong. And the amount of money spent on chasing pot, you know, sent for the last 50 years, that alone should be criminal. You can't win the war. At what point do you say, let's start making money from it? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. I mean, what, what, what's it going to take for them to finally do? But I think, man, I, well, it comes right back to what we talked about before with the pharmacies. It depends on who's making the money. Yeah. Ah, that's what it can't have. See, somebody who's got a squeaky clean, huge business doesn't want a guy looking like me who's smoking weed being their, you know, guy who runs the show. Oh, yeah, well, I gotta talk to the guy who runs the plant and call me. <laughs> you know, like, and in like Colorado and Washington, they're trying to bring in this uh, new model of legalization and they want to compete in a sort of the same price frame of a market, a black market that's been in place for, excuse me, how many decades? <laughs> All of a sudden, you guys want to set up a legal shop and you still want 10 bucks a gram? Yeah. Well, why would I go shop over there when I get, I can grow it in my basement? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense. You guys aren't doing it right. If they want to make a successful legalization model, they have got to come out with pot. It's got to be cheap as hell, like three, four bucks a gram. You know, yeah, uh, you got to be able to get, like I say, an ounce of pot for twenty five, twenty, twenty five dollars. Really, really superior pot, maybe thirty five, you know, like have some. And I've always said that's going to really that's the marketplace. There is going to be a quality. Oh, people just because it's legal, if it's yeah, 
pot. People say, I want the good stuff. Yeah. I miss those dank buds. Who's got them? And they're going to go there and they're going to pay more. Yeah, that makes sense. Supply and demand. Oh, yeah. that's, that's just, that's simple. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I like, yeah, legalize, but don't, you know, set up a, don't set yourself up for failure or to make it sort of, eh. But again, once you legalize, you can always make changes as you go. All right, yeah. this ain't working. We'll have to change this. This, you know, and so on and so forth. Because I don't see how they're going to grow enough pot. There's really, I mean, there's the other side of the coin. You all of a sudden, these so-called dispensaries are got, they all got big lineups and they're all sold out. Well, that ain't working. <laughs> People that want their weed. Yeah. So I think you're going to find, uh, you're going to have to look, re-look at that whole situation a little closer. Yeah, I th- I think the biggest thing is is like you know the dispensaries get taxed so much by the IRS and uh, everything else, and I think like a lot of them like I think they're instead of being able to like really focus on innovating and making changes in business, they have to like worry about all their taxes and making sure they're they don't have a profit and all that craziness. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just making excuses for them. Well, I mean, up here we've got a. It's so interesting that your uh, medical programs are all state-run, and the feds are kind of odds. Where up here we have a a federal medical marijuana law that the various provinces and municipalities are all screaming and yelling about because things like privacy and things like that come under federal jurisdiction. So they can't find out, like the police can't find out. There's no number they can call just to find out where all the people are growing weed legally. And a lot of times they'll go to a grow, to bust a grow and find out it's legal and they've wasted a lot of time and manpower and so on. Uh, myself, when I moved into the, my house and was growing pot here, I called the cops and told them what I was doing and who I am. And I'm a little, I take a little different tact. Yeah. Just, like- you know, but it's actually being proactive like that. You're, you're, you're a benefit because now there's no than to come over and kick my door down for nothing. And the guy even thanked me. The cop thanked me. He said, thanks, because, you know, it, it wastes my time to start a case and there's paperwork and I got to go through all this shit only to find out, oh, it's legal? You know, he said, I know you don't have to call us or notify the cops, but, you know, I'm also a public figure. So, <laughs> but, uh, and just because I can, I like to. But I tell other people, like, anybody with a legal permit should be doing this. But I mean, overall, federally, they've done very little to make this a, a workable program. And in fact, the government here has been take, uh, taking a core countless times. Um, and this program has progressed from what it was 13 years ago when I, I got in right at the ground level. Um, an original exemption 56 holder, which basically an exemption is to section 56 of the criminal code about pot growing, possessing and using. Yeah. Uh, so that's our, they then change it to the MMAR here in Canada. Hmm? Oh, I'm going to, we might need to kill the video because you're, you're, uh, oh, I'm sorry. you're going in and out. Sorry about that. That's hey, all right. Fine. We just got audio. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just audio. So we get to look at you, but we can, you can't look at us. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> So anyways, yeah, we have the MMAR, and that's been sort of a contentious issue with many people for quite some time. Um, and now they're trying to kill, the Harper government is trying to kill that. They want to remove 
uh, all of our rights to grow our own medicine and force us to buy uh, through mail order, uh, which, you know. Mail uh, order marijuana. That sounds yeah. interesting. They're saying that it's going to be about eight and a half dollars a gram to start, but essentially they're, you know, we wonder who's going to get these uh, permits to, to, for these big grows. And, but essentially they're setting up, you know, for profit medicine, which yeah. is from a plant that anybody can grow. Well, we all are growing our own now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I know there's going to be a, a lot of court challenges and, uh, well, we'll see. But it is, you know, they're just part of this government we have. The federal government here uh, is steadfastly against pot. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just so weird. Um, I know uh, on the on the topic of like pharmacies, my buddy, he's a uh, he's a pharmacist and actually a medical marijuana state. Uh, well, you can medically grow. They don't have dispensaries yet in Michigan. And uh, he was saying how the pharmacists are like desperately trying to make it so they can sell marijuana because they want to make that money. Well, absolutely. But, you know, it's just no different than the breweries. They want to do stuff. Well, okay, so you want a a large court company or wants to set up a a large grow grape. But that doesn't mean I should, you know, if I want to make beer in my basement, I can do that, too. So why can't I grow pot? Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it would be very simple to uh, hear one of the big the big reasons, the big two reasons they talk about um, taking our permits away for growing or they say safety. Well, one of the things the government never did was ask me for a electrical inspection or any kind of safety certificate. So you've had the federal government just giving out permits, telling people, go ahead, grow weed. And none of us really are bound to adhere to any type of building codes <laughs> so it does leave it open to you know people do shoddy wiring and such uh, fortunately most people once they they know they're legal we don't feel we have to hide many of us who don't know how to do the work have hired people to do it um there's no record of a whole bunch of legal grows having fires or anything like that in the country in 13 years uh, so when the government ish talks about uh safety from things like that well one of these simple ways to address that is just have us all supply an electrical inspection and then say okay you're good to go um and the other issue was uh they said oh it increases home invasions there's maybe been two or three in the whole country in 13 years um probably because people were just being not very secure with the way they uh you know, and who they do deal with and their friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've been, I don't know, there's ways to deal with that. And I think they also have to look at, we already have uh, something in place to deal with people who do break the law and that's called the police. Yeah. You know, like if somebody came and busted into my house, did a home invasion, I'd call the cops. I'm legal. I got nothing to fear. Yeah. And the cops, they, they, they come in and stories come out in the news and the police make it sound like, well, the problem was that guy was growing pot in the first place. So I wouldn't have, you know, like, wait a minute. He has a legal right to grow weed. That shouldn't be the issue. If it was like they came in and stole, I was growing tomatoes in my basement. What then? Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. The guy shouldn't have been growing tomatoes. Why? 
It's no different what I guess. So who cares what I'm growing? I'm not breaking any laws. I'm adhering to all provincial and federal statutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the, it's the truth. I mean, if you're le- you, you should be legally protected, but I'm not personally, I'm not a huge fan of police. I don't really think they, they really, really, their intention is to protect us. And in the States, at least for sure, I feel like we're there more just to collect revenue. Well, you got to understand who they work for. Exactly, they're there. They work for the politicians and the core who are basically owned by the corporations. Yeah. So it's basically the corporate police, which is why they, you know, were so heavy in the presence in the Wall Street. If yeah. all those people had been set up in somewhere where there was no money, they would have had half the cops. Yeah. Did you did you see how like Chase donated like four million dollars to the NYPD? Of course. Yeah, yeah, I did. No, I saw, I followed that extremely heavily and it was just, you could just see, well, a lot of people in the crowd, they were all hip. They know who owns the cops. Like it's pretty clear. Yeah. So, you know, isn't that what they call, wait a second, what's the word? Oh, I know fascism. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a scary thing. It's, uh, it's, it's, I feel like we're like on this fine line of like, we're either all going to rise above like tyranny that's been positioning itself to like to take charge and to try to rule, uh, rule us or, and then people who are just kind of becoming aware of what's really going on. And for me, it's like, are we going to become aware fast enough to stop it from happening? Well, I think probably not there's just not enough people well you know the awareness is great but it's not more than that we need to act we need a lot more people to start acting um it's great to retweet something because you know it's in strongly worded or something but uh you need a little more action on that like i send direct messages to my politicians telling them to go fuck themselves (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just do. So, but I would say everybody should follow my example. You could write a better letter than that, I'm sure. <laughs> so you and really I, just write a letter that says, go fuck yourself. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I have, uh, just give me a second. I'm gonna, I have a bumper sticker that I made that says, uh, I like sodomizing young people with my crime policies with a picture of our prime minister on it. And I sent one to every single member of parliament in Ottawa, <laughs> like 252 <laughs> of them or something. That's hilarious. As well, as well, as well the, I sent them all one of these stickers as well, which just says trash to the picture of uh, Harper's face. And I sent every one of our MPs one of those. That's awesome. And I let them know they could always, you know, if they needed more, just like give me a shout. <laughs> that's awesome man <laughs> well you know I, I ran for federally uh for the marijuana party of canada and uh i think it was 2004 or 2005 i can't remember 04 i think and in 03 i ran here as well for the bc marijuana party uh and which i had run for as well in 2001 down in victoria so I'm no stranger to politics and politics and all the people in regular politics, most of them know me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. you know, they, they, you know, they don't argue with me on a lot of cases like the NDP candidates here and stuff. They're all, 
one-on-one pretty cool about the pot issue. It's only when they get elected that they sort of slough you off. It's, you know. Yeah. It's the same old, same old. Uh, I don't want to get too into that whole rigmarole, those guys. But needless to say, I think uh, more and more people should get involved in politics. Go to meetings. Join your riding association. Um, you know, join a party and uh, go in there. And, and when they ask, you know, oh, everybody put in their say or volunteer. Those are the things that nobody likes doing. Volunteer to be on one of those shitty committees that, you know, phone people or stuff like that. But that's how you get in there and you get to talk to people and you get to know people. Um, I play golf. That's another thing I like to do. And uh, I tell you, it's a lot of times I go to the golf course as a single where you get paired up with other people. And you never know who you're going to get paired up with. So that can be fun, too. (laughs) <laughs> especially since i'm legally allowed to pop so i smoke on the course that's awesome that's it's amazing how many uh people like from different walks of life you know like to uh, oh you know i i like to smoke a little pot too because they want to be cool <laughs> they want to know the cool guy they want to know the pot guy they want to be cool so they got to see me you know once you know, I, I, i've smoked once you know or i used to smoke or i used to have a grow it's like yeah yeah so what who cares yeah right so if it's if it's that normalized, well, why now? What's well, you know? I go, no, 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 I don't know. What you get elected and uh, all common sense like just goes down the toilet? Yeah. What you know? Like, wait a second. Like, if you know, you're not doing anything. Like, so you can't really know that much. Yeah. Or you know, you know as much as I do, and you're just saying, no fucking way, we're gonna touch that. Yeah, people like, want to put themselves in that social norm box. It's like there's so many closet smokers that I know. Well, it's so nice to, yeah, exactly. Closet smokers, wow. There, there's one. That's I mean, good. it's uh, yeah. that's it's a huge problem though. Yeah, like because that's, people won't admit that weed does positive things for them, and they want to hide about it because they fear the repercussions rather than standing up and saying, "No, this is a good thing, and these laws and policies are not correct." And we need to change this. And I think it, it would go a lot faster if those people would own up to what they gain from the plant. Well, that's I don't think we're going to see that. We need a large number of people. Yeah. Just say, look, this is stupid. And we've had enough. Even if they don't smoke, the people who are, you know, who understand. And yeah. of course, all the closet smokers as well have got to come out and make us <laughs> and make a stand. But um, it's, you know. A lot of people, it's, I don't even think it's so much that. It's all about image. Like, well, I don't want to be seen as a boat rocker. Or, well, you know, my neighbor, I don't want to, you know, have him think differently of me. Or, you know, and th- or people at work or somewhere, like, or they worry about their job. They have something to lose. There's another one. Yeah. Or, uh, or to do with travel or security or some damn thing. And it's always some bullshit issue. And that's, see, this is why, you know, when they brought in drug testing, in the, especially in the United States, it's strong. Well, there's a reason for that. There's two reasons for that. One is because somebody needed to make some money. Yeah. Those drug right. testing companies make a shitload of money. Oh, hey, yeah. Tons. And, uh, and they also wanted to have one more tool to hold over people who like to have a little puff. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. You know, you want to have a little puff at night because it helps you sleep. Well, now, oh, I got to go to my job. Shit. What am I going to, you know? So they, they, it's just because if not, if it wasn't for that, I think a lot of people would have come out of the closet, so to speak, a long time ago. 
yeah. if, had, if they had that drug testing business hadn't been such an issue for as long as it has. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's like I've had a lot of people that I consider close friends say like how crazy I am just because I openly promote legalization. And I'm not even a big smoker. I've never been a big smoker. Like I, I enjoy, I've, I enjoy edibles here and there and I might take a, a hit of something, but then I'm good. Like, I'm not like, I've never been able to like, because when you were saying earlier, the guy that doesn't want to drive, that's me after smoking one bowl, I'm, I'm pretty good on the couch. And I just like, I can't, yeah, like I just can't get active. Like it, like one hit will kind of set me right. But, uh, to get to the point of what I was saying, like, it's, uh, it's just crazy how people are so afraid to even that don't smoke just to say, yeah, this is stupid out of association with smoking or the drug testing or like being worried about their job. And it's, it's, and like we were saying, like there's something in Ohio where it's actually going to the Supreme court because, uh, some cities have it. So if you get pulled over for a DUI, they take you to a hospital and give you an invasive blood test. But that doesn't just test your alcohol level. It also they also test you for metabolites. So if you have no alcohol in your system and you, let's say I ate an edible and I have a metabolite in my system in three months, I automatically get a DUI. Yeah. I mean, no, it's, I yeah, it's it's just it is like you said, invasive. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. that rules to our favor, but they'd still I mean the only thing that would change is that they would have to have a, a warrant to give you a blood test. And then well, like, yeah, I think you got to get a lawyer's got to challenge the fact of, well, how does that demonstrate impairment? Yeah. You know, it's like, junk science. It's junk science that the government well, claims that marijuana actually gives you impaired driving. And like most any scientific study that comes out, especially if they're really like against pot, you know, about, oh, you can't do this and such. The first thing you have to do is say, who paid for that? And then follow that business to see their ties because quite often it's, yeah, from like a police oriented, the police union or, you know, some sit like something for drug free, this is a coalition for a drug free America or something, or, you know, one of these, these prohibitionist sort of stance organizations will usually fund money for those junk science projects and they yeah. can be traced and they can be traced back. So I always like to look at who paid for that study. That's the first thing we got to look at. And, you know, there's quite a few studies that are out there as well now that have been independent. But, of course, you know, they try to shut the funding off for these types of things or else tell them they can't have permission to do that. But they have done some here in Canada that show that people who smoke pot who are used to smoking pot, like myself, and drive are actually more careful and attentive drivers. Hmm. They pay much better attention to what they're doing, probably because they're more focused on what they're doing. It's as I like to say, marijuana enhances. That's why people say, "Hey, let's blow a reefer and go watch that movie, or let's blow a reefer and go do something." Yeah, yeah, because it'll make what you're doing that much more fun, and you're focused on doing it. Whether it's riding your skateboard, your bikes going ice skating whatever it is you like to do going for a hike but if you know some people say nah, i don't want to or we'll, we'll wait till we get there but a lot of people like to combine pot with other activities not just sitting on the couch playing video games yeah and i think that's pretty you know that's a very realistic stance and uh, to, to look at yeah um, people so 
on my where I was driving and smoking there last week, some of the comments were like, you're, and these were from pro-pot people, like anti-prohibition people who for marijuana, saying, oh, well, you're making us all look bad, or you look stupid, or this serves no purpose. Well, wait a minute. What are you Now you're talking about image again, and how it's perceived to the non-marijuana people. Well, that's bullshit. You're doing yourself a disservice, because you're not telling the truth. Marijuana doesn't impair. I'm driving perfectly well in marijuana. Yeah. You know, another comment was, well, it's okay for you. doesn't mean it's okay for everyone. And again, good judgment. You know, if you don't feel like you can drive on pot, you won't. Yes. Because pot doesn't impair your judgment. Yeah. You know, you you can't be talked into doing something you don't want to do just because you're smoking pot. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like uh, the whole topic of abuse, um, like it's it's because of a few people that can't handle their shit and like joe rogan really said it best if it's not marijuana it's going to be cheeseburgers like you yeah. know like people people are going to find something to abuse and it's and yeah maybe marijuana falls in that just because they they can't handle their shit i mean but using it responsibly is completely different we're using it consciously instead of like oh i just want to get fucked up it's totally different than you know what I'm saying? Like, and I, and I feel like it's, it's just too often that, that abuse and use gets, gets combined. Absolutely. Um, I find the only time anybody really abuses, uh, a lot of time it's unintentional. You find people who, uh, well, especially at the big rallies, the 420 rally, <laughs> we had a few people, uh, go green on us, uh, from too many edibles. Uh, because they're not used to it, you know. They usually were younger people, and uh, too deep obviously. into back country. Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> one too many brownies. So, <laughs> but uh, they we usually they they say many times on the stage. There's many announcements. You know, at least limit yourself to at least one per hour to see how you feel. So yeah. if you're not used to doing edibles, or if you're not, you know, a regular wake and baker. Know your tolerance. Absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. It's it's uh it's it's like you have to treat treat the plant with like treat it with some respect. Absolutely. Like, for sure. Yeah. Like do, yeah. don't don't just uh, yeah yeah we know what we're saying. <laughs> you know we're we've all I mean as the years go by I mean I've been in using this plant for over over thirty five well over thirty five years. And, uh, you know, at the, at the point I've gotten to, yeah, I, I know Mary Jane intimately. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So what, like, what do you think, uh, just as an activist, like for being in a state that's, that's, that could be on the, the verge of, uh, cause there's, there's been multiple bills, but there's actually different senators now putting in bills for medical, uh, use in the state of Ohio. What what can we do in Ohio to help make that get help get that passed or to help spread awareness or to be active and to be involved? Um, Well, you know, I think the best thing is uh, to you need to find out the list of uh, the senators and figure out their stances, who's pro and who's con. And the ones who are against it 
Um, those are the ones you need to target with letter writing campaigns and phone campaigns. Um, try to keep people to be concise and brief so that things get read. Uh, long involved reasons why you need to legalize or not, or for medical purposes or not, you know, uh, usually read. They get scanned over and then they just get dumped. So it's best to keep things short and brief. Um, if you have an organization like normal or somebody that can step up maybe and get some uh you know if you can get cards um like pre-stamped cards so the postage is paid and hand them out at a large event get people to sign the back so they get mailed to, and already pre-addressed to the various uh senators or, or governors or people that you need to get a hold of there and uh the elected representatives i guess and uh those are some good you know, ways just to get the numbers and, and the contact out so we can, so people can uh, get a hold of them easily and uh, let them know what, how to try to educate them and change their minds. It's awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for that advice. So can you tell us a little bit more about anything to do with growing and home yeah. growth situations, like anything on the basics, like a starting point for people who may be interested in that, considering we're on the verge of potential medical legalization here, that's a topic of interest to a lot of people because they may be considering now starting their own small home grows should the rules change in the fall. And a lot of people are trying to learn now, trying to figure out what they would do if, if the laws do change to favor medical. So anything that you could shed light on as far as basics that people might want to learn about or anything to do with that? Well, uh, first of all, if you're going to set up any kind of grow in your home, uh, safety is number one. So uh, when it comes to electrical work, like for your, uh, make sure that if you don't know what you're doing, for sure, Get someone in who's qualified to do that because you don't want to burn down your house just uh, because you're trying to grow some medicine. Um, the other things is there's no shortage of books out there and information on the internet on how to grow. I mean, tons. But I highly recommend uh, a book by Jorge Cervantes, uh, the medical marijuana, hydroponic medical marijuana book. And... Um, is really good. You can just research that, punch in medical marijuana grow books, and you'll find that on Google real easy. And, uh, but yeah, like I say, there's, there's just so much information. It's so easy to find out that kind of uh, how to grow stuff. And you sort of have to look at it. Everybody's sort of situation is a little bit different. And it's usually depending on where they're living, whether an apartment or a home or you know, it's everybody's got a little different idea. Um, you are just growing plants, just setting up a garden, really. So it's not hard. There's <laughs> tons of information. Uh, go to any, like cannabisculture.com is a good website. They have uh, forums there and you can register and then just go to the grow forums. So you can then just use their search engine, any questions. For instance, people are often asking me how to make butter for edibles. And I tell them, well, just go in there. There's got to be 200 posts on how to make cannabis. <laughs> just got done making a big batch of that today, actually. It's funny you brought that up. The house yeah, well, the you, house smells great right now. I was going to say, yeah, there you go. That was, uh, yeah, that was a reason for the delay. 
But that's cool. Yeah, I know you mentioned you like your edibles, so I guess, yeah, you make a lot of butter. <laughs> butter and tincture. Nice, green butter. Yeah, um, here, and for us, if this, the government here, the federal government does uh, manage to take away our grow permits, um, what's going on here, and I've been sort of filming and documenting, is there's going to be a big surge I think in British Columbia for people to go back into the bush to grow pot, you're going to see a huge upswing in outdoor. Um, also, part of the reason for that is they have the new for, uh, property forfeiture laws here now. So if you own your own property, they and you get even for growing just a few plants, they'll still try to come and take it. So because you broke the law, it's even if you can prove that. You know, your house was paid for with legal money. Say you inherited money or something and bought your house outright. Doesn't matter. They'll still take it if you're if you were caught growing like ten plants. So do they are there are there laws against growing it outside right now or how does that work? Just be grow well, outside. Yeah, grow. It's people to grow pot if you don't have a permit, and you can get a medical permit to grow either indoors or outdoors, but not both at the same time. Oh. Uh. Yeah. But I'm talking about like they're trying to take away us people who are legally allowed to grow pot like myself indoors, which I've had for 13 years. They want to take that away from me after 13 years. So it's like, well, gee, I guess I'm going to have to go back outdoor like what I used to do back, you know, when I was a young guy. Like, <laughs> we used to grow a lot of pot outdoors. <laughs> In some of my buds. I mean, that, that's my background, actually. Actually, Opus stands for outdoor pot under sun. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> did you? St when did you start Opus? Pardon me. When did you start Opus? Opus Farms. Oh, start. Oh, I started Opus Farms uh, probably about eight years ago, or maybe seven years ago, when I bought this house. Uh, I I just did it because I got my renewal one every year. I have to renew my permit through the government and I got it this one year and I looked and it said oh nobody it's kind of this big paperwork and nobody's allowed to touch your plants or help you with the gardening and I'm like what and then I thought well fuck you guys I'm gonna put up a website and offer tours <laughs> so it was just my way of doing activism really and I thought I had to come up, what do I call it? Opus Farms. I'm like, yeah, okay, good, whatever. It's I was already known as Opus on the internet. So and farms was like with a pH, so like pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I, awesome. Yeah, I figured I better grab it while grabbing was good. Yeah. That's awesome. I like how uh activism for you always is like the first step for you doing activism is saying, Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, love uh, it. How can I put some sand in your Vaseline? You know, like <laughs> stupid and not even discuss the issue, like our federal government. Yeah. Or, you know, the pat, the bullshit answers. This what we're all used to as far as activists, right? We're we're not getting a, a sensible dialogue because if we were, pot wouldn't be illegal anymore. Yeah. So there's ulterior motives, and you guys don't even want to talk about it. So it's like, well, fuck you. Uh, I'm going to play that game too. How do you like me now? 
<laughs> and I just keep doing it. I was actually on the record printed in the paper or in Canvas Culture magazine saying, you know, I was going to piss in the conservatives' cornflakes. I don't care. <laughs> and they read it because they were all over it. Oh, I didn't like that remark. And I mentioned we were protesting one of their offices while well, my MP, member of parliament, and uh, his assistant at the time, his executive assistant, who was giving us a hard time while I wrote a story for Cannabis Culture. Of course, I put his name and contact information in the article because he is a member of parliament, like assistant, and because uh, he said, oh, he'd rather have his kids drinking than smoking pot. That's and ridiculous. I was like, oh, really? So I mentioned it in the article. Anyhow, it, uh, I guess I, he got really his nose out of joint. He's no longer the assistant. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, people like, you know, that's how we have to think as activists. I go, I don't want to just sit here and write a letter as an activist. I'm going to go, no, no, I like the active part. Yeah. Let's do something that's actually active. Okay, get up and let's do something and make sure that these people take notice. Yeah, and they're, they're definitely going to know who you are. That's for sure. I oh, yeah. You know. I, I, I wonder how many people go out of their way to make bumper stickers to send to their, to their, uh, to their senators and congressmen that says that says that the president or the prime minister is a fucking asshole pretty much story <laughs> <laughs> of sentences that they've adopted here in canada um the harper brought in <clears throat> um, so if now in canada if you're caught growing six or more plants in your home you automatically get a minimum six months in jail now. That's the law. And that law has been uh, in effect since uh, November, first week of November, I believe, last year. So this was, this, this was under extreme criticism from all sides, from everywhere. Look, don't do it. Don't do it. So he's basically brought in the American-style justice system for simple, small drug crimes. Yeah, some... Yeah, I, I thought that was crazy that Canada's building so many prisons now. Well, like jumping again, on the, the prison industry. It's as low as it's ever been in 30 years in Canada overall. Like, it just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, you know, that was in retrospect to his mandatory minimum sentences. I said, like, well, yeah, he likes to sodomize young people with his crime policies. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was just too I couldn't really fit it in well it would have been too expensive but uh, yeah it's just, I don't personally like to fuck young children in the ass but I do like sending them to jail so others do it for me <laughs> it's it's like it but it's really the truth though I mean that's the that's the best part about it is I mean just like your uh, commitment to honesty and really I, I feel like honesty is like a huge part of you as a like you as an activist which goes back to like the smoking and driving and uh and I think it's interesting that other activists give you shit just because you're like well no this is this is who we really are like I'm not going to lie about it absolutely and it's nice to know that there's also a a larger, a large number of people too of activists that are like, "Yo, keep up the good work, right on, yeah, yeah." And it's like, wait, you know, because they all kind of look at the, ah, that's Mick, you know, fuckers got balls, whatever, you know, I don't care, but 
not really. I'm like, yeah, go ahead, pull me over. I dare you motherfuckers to take me to court and call for impaired driving for smoking my medicine. Like, I'm waiting. My lawyers are ready. So, you know, because we know we're going to, I've said many times, hey, I'll smoke a joint, then I'll get in the car and let me take a road test and prove that if I can pass a road test, where's the impairment? Yeah. Because you know, essentially that's what I did when I got my license. Yeah. You know, and I've actually had a professional license. I uh, I drove cab. I've been a taxi owner operator in Victoria, BC, the, the the capital city of the province. Yeah. You know, I did that for a number for about four years before till I sold the car and I got out of that business. But I had no problem. Uh, I was a a contract driver for courier companies. Uh, I've driven five-ton reefer truck, and uh, you know, like I say, never had it. I never stopped smoking pot. So, <laughs> you know, wait a minute. You know, and I this argument. Well, just because you can. Well, wait a minute. But still, if just because I can, there's probably others. I'm not some super being. If I can do it, I bet there's a whole lot of other people that are out there doing it. And yeah, this whole business about oh, it doesn't look good. How do we? Oh, fuck yourself! I tell you, man. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> Don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, that's just the way it is, right? And and you know, and the thing is, in activism, especially the is pot activism, it's easy because our story never changes. It's the prohibitionists who keep making up new shit. Now it's all about oh, impaired driving on pot. And it's, yeah, it just bugs me. Obviously, you can tell that the amount of, you know, of activists who have jumped, oh, yeah, kind of just sort of follow blindly along with that bullshit. Yeah. Just because, oh, well, we don't want to look bad. Oh, please. You're looking bad by just by allowing Sell it. Yeah, you're selling out. Like you're, you're selling. Yeah, you're looking. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's like just, yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, Mick, uh, love to have you on the podcast again. It's we're right about an hour. We typically try to keep these things for about an hour. Um, cool. and awesome. I, but, uh, yeah. Is there any chance we could have you back on and have another episode about the Opus farms and, uh, outdoor grow and all that type of stuff? Absolutely. I'd love to uh, come back on the show sometime. You know how to get a hold of me. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's been good talking to you. Thanks. Yeah, everybody uh, get on the Twitters right now. Follow him. It's at Opus420. Go to his YouTube page and find him on YouTube at Opus420. Subscribe and favorite his videos. Also, um, look up the old videos on Pot TV for the shows on there. Um, go to his uh, – you have, you have a website as well, correct, Mick? No, I don't have a website up right now. Uh at the moment, I'm like I said, I was taking a little step back this year to look after some personal issues, but you know, I'm still out there doing stuff. Just yeah, you're yeah. not nearly as much as I used to. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna find you though. That's probably gonna be the funny part about it. Oh yeah, it does. It's like I, I, I'm not like you know, just I'm not retired. I'm just uh, yeah, honing it down some. No, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, golf and uh playing a little you know i ride my motorcycle and playing golf and you know that's awesome yeah that's awesome well thank you so much for do for doing the show we'll get in touch with you soon and uh yeah it's great talking to you yeah thank you All right, very guys. much really appreciate it
Birds 